more community, more Jesus, more fun. Hi, this is Elaine Kohanowitz, and I am here today with a good friend of mine, Dana Emmons, and I am so thrilled to have her here. It's really a privilege because she lives in Belize now, so I don't get to see her hardly ever. (laughs) So she's in the States, and um, she has so many amazing stories. I could probably do like 10 podcasts on her, and it would be awesome. You guys would love it, and maybe we will do some more in the future. Um, but right now today, I'm going to kind of direct the conversation into what she's doing these days, which is also very awesome. So I'm going to um, let Dana introduce herself. And uh, my first question for you, Dana, is to tell us a little bit about your family, and including your kids that aren't at home. So let's, let's hear about what's going on in your family today. Okay. Um, I'm Dana, as she said, and my husband is Mark. We have three children that are living with us in Belize. We have a 15-year-old, a, who will soon be 16, another 15-year-old daughter adopted from China, an 11-year-old son adopted from China. We have um, two children in the States. Both are living in Texas, and I just had my first grandbaby. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, February the 3rd, and I don't get to see her yet, but I'm looking forward to a time that I get to hold her. So we have grown children out of the house. There's actually a total of eight children because oh, wow. uh, Mark was married prior, prior to our marriage. And I was a widow at the time that we were married. And so there's eight kids all together and four grown and three in the house, five grown now, I guess. And you guys, you could tell our listeners a little bit about how you met Mark. Um, Mark was brought to our property to help me. I was a widow at the time. And his brother, Rick, brought him onto the property. We asked for help at the church, and Rick volunteered and brought Mark. And then um, his brother, Rick, couldn't help, but Mark continued to help for the next four years, off and on, because I tried to fire him lots of times because he was getting emotionally tied, and my son started calling him dad, and I started freaking out. (laughs) (laughs) And then one day he came to a job site that I was at. I I had my own business at the time, and I did construction cleaning. And he brought eggs, and I asked him, somebody there, a lady, I go, who's that good-looking guy in the driveway? And she said she didn't know, and I took another look, and I said, oh, my gosh, it's Mark. (laughs) And (laughs) and that's when my views and stuff, and I had to go, okay, God, what are you doing here? Um, (laughs) Oh, wow. So you never really interested at all. No. And so I, I was really shocked when I took a look at him in a different way. Oh, wow. So was he always interested in you, though? Um, probably at about two years into it, he was. The first time he came, he wouldn't even talk to me. I literally got in his face and stopped him and said, hello, my name's Dane. I thought, this guy's working on my property. He doesn't even say hi. Um, so he was kind of quiet. Mm-hmm. And I'm not. <laughs> Sometimes that's a good combination. <laughs> it is. <laughs> And so, so, and then after how many, how long after that did you guys get married? Years, and then once we realized that um, we liked each other, or he realized I liked him, um, I think it was a week later he told me he loved me, and it was a few months after that he asked me to marry him, and oh, we wow. were married that following September. Oh, wow. So, so much for dating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds like you had some time working together yeah. anyway. Four so. years is a good time, I know. Right. <laughs> That's awesome. So um, tell us about what you're doing now. Um, You're obviously in Belize, so why are you there? What do you do there? Well, we went there as missionaries, 
and we still consider ourselves missionaries, but now we are a non-for-profit owner also. Our non-for-profit is in, also in, Bel in Belize and in the U.S. We're an NGO in Belize, which is a non-governmental organization. Mm -hmm. And so we have, a, our focus is on special needs children. We have a camp, that um, special needs children's camp, that is focused on all disabilities, any, any child with any disability and their family can come to our camp. And um, we have events throughout the years. With COVID, it's kind of shut us down a little bit, but we still try to do events with the families and meet their needs, whatever they are, bring in groups that help, um, you know, bring in wheelchairs or groups that want to help build the camp. So when you, in Belize, you've got the camp, which is for special needs kids, and you've done some other work. What other kinds of things do you guys do? Um, I'm a doula, so I help at the hospital with new moms. Uh, we give special care packages to them. Uh, when they have their babies, they get a little gift from us that says, Welcome to the world. Um, for those that are training, I train. Um, it's kind of like a Lamaze class, but not quite that much. There is no meds for moms at the hospital, so we teach them how to handle the labor, handle, handle delivery, and I help at home. We help in our village um, when there's a need. If there's like flooding, we go in and um, just serve. You know, whether it's cleaning the floors with mud or bringing in food supplies, whatever is actually needed at the time. Mm -hmm. We've helped at schools, painting, um, teaching. Uh, Mark's done a lot of carpentry work, and he's taught the boys even how to run. How do you run a circular saw? So we've worked with a lot of the kids around the areas. So can you give us a little context on, so like, for example, when you said you give the moms a, a gift or like a package to take home for the baby, can you give us a little context about like what it is like there to live there because like versus in the United States? Yeah, it's changing rapidly, becoming from a third world to a second world. But there are still places where I'll go and visit a mama that is um, dirt floor, no water inside the house, no electricity. Um, and then you can go into a home that's got everything. Mm -hmm. So it's still out in the villages. It's still more of a third world. And then you get towards the city, it's more modernized. Mm -hmm. um, so some of it looks uh, scary. I mean, the hospital is trying to update, but when you have cracks in the walls and bugs going up in the room that you're delivering a baby in, that can be very scary for me anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you don't touch the walls. You're just very cautious. Um you know, for the moms, when I give a, a, a blanket, a baby outfit, it may be their only one that they have. Um, I'll find out if a mom doesn't have anything or they'll let me know um, this mom comes, she doesn't have anything to even wrap her baby in after they have it born. Oh, wow. And so we'll make sure that the baby has something when it goes home. And then I visit the mama about four days afterwards. Um, a lot of times, um, the baby can be sick then or breastfeeding's not going well. Mm -hmm. So um, by me showing up about four days after and I spend time there and I sit in their house, I've sat on um, mattresses that are only springs. Oh, uh, really? <laughs> yes. Wow. I've sat in chairs that nobody else has sat in. I just go in, I sit down, I make myself at home Yeah. because this is their home. Right. And this is how they live. And um, Well, I know, you know like... After four days after having a baby myself, like when the midwife comes back, I'm like, thank God, because <laughs> there's always something wrong. You always know? questions. <laughs> yeah, there's always questions. There's always something that I need with, help with. So I'm sure, you know, no matter who you are, that's a blessing. Yeah. And I get to hold the baby. Oh, yeah. In the hospital, they don't let you hold the baby. Only oh, the mom okay. I can hold the baby, not even the dad. 
Oh, wow. 24 hours that they're in the hospital, nobody but the mom gets the baby. Oh, wow. So, yeah, once they get home, then I get to hold the baby. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> so, yes. That's awesome. Okay, so I want to know a little bit about uh, your kids and, like, how was it for them, like, transitioning from being in the States to being in Belize? I think their biggest issue is food. Mm. Really? (laughs) (laughs) I think that wouldn't have been my first guess. Fruits and vegetables. Um, You think in a tropical island you're getting all these fancy fruits and vegetables. Um, You do get some, but they're always seasonal. Mm. And um, so berries are non-existent in Belize. Oh, wow. There's no strawberries, blueberries, blackberries, none berries. Oh, wow. Apples um, are like $1.50 for one. So oh, you wow. don't buy apples because they're coming from Mexico and the U.S. So there are no apples. So um, I'd say the fruits and berries and not being able just to get in the car and drive to McDonald's. Oh, you know, right. Burger King. Um, when we first got there, there actually were no food, no fast food places anywhere. Like in the, all of Belize or just like in <clears> the <throat> area? Oh, wow. There are no um, commercial, you know, you've got Subway and it's all over the place. Belize does not allow that. Oh, wow. So it's like a mom and pop shop. It can't be like a franchise. They're street vendors. So you go up and you order three tacos that are, that's breakfast. Um, And Belize's tacos, they're wrapped corn corn flour. Yeah, I remember that actually. When I was in Panama, (laughs) I would go get a chicken sandwich from the vendor that was breakfast. Breakfast burritos, (laughs) rice and beans. Rice and beans are staple food there, right? Rice and beans Mm -hmm. and stir fry, stir chicken. Yep, Um, that's what we eat in Panama too. Yeah, and when when we first went to Belize, we had no ba- no people who were donating much. So oh, wow. we had uh, very little that you, you couldn't buy any American food because we couldn't buy it, afford it. So we had a lot of rice and beans and chickens. So what was that like for you? Like when you first went to a grocery store there, you're like literally like you're the first day and you have no idea what to eat. I had no idea what to buy. I'm yeah. walking around in a daze going, oh, my gosh, nothing's labeled in English. It was all in Spanish at the time. They're just now getting canned goods, goods in. Uh, the last year, we started seeing actually canned goods from the U.S. But we, that's, let's see, we've been there almost seven years. That's seven oh, years wow. into it. Oh, so, wow. So everything was in Spanish. I, I didn't know what to buy. I didn't know what it was. Now, um, I just want to say, I know when Dana went, was going to, like, choose she and Mark like chose a country to go to. One of the reasons they chose Belize was because they supposedly speak English. <laughs> we come to find out that that's not true. Oh. <laughs> and I realized I was in a foreign land when I'm in, in, in the uh, grocery store and half of them are speaking Spanish. I'm like, okay, I have no idea what I'm doing here. Oh, wow. And do any of them speak English? They do. Um, English is not it's supposed to be a primary language. It really isn't. Spanish is their uh, primary curriculum. Uh, Creole, 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 and I always mess that word up, um, is probably the second language that is used. Which is like a Jamaican English type thing? Yeah, it's real broken English. Um, no is yes. Um, oh, wow. And they also, even in the Belizeans, they don't say, use TH words, like mm. third, okay. the. It's used as a D, duh. Oh, and wow. These. And then uh, most people speak, if they speak English, it's a very broken English. Mm. There's no and of the, you know, none in the world. Right. It's like a know. chicken hunt and peck kind of English. Yeah. So you get to where you talk that way too, you know? Oh, yeah. I just talk the same way they do. <laughs> the hammer is over here. Hammer that, by the door. And <laughs> I learned, you know, the Chad, uh, you learn Spanish. <laughs> oh, yeah. You have to. Metro. Give me the metro. <laughs> it's, it's measuring tape, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> Where's the metro? 
So you speak Spanglish is what you're saying? I speak some Spanglish. Right? <laughs> I know. And I learned that you use a uh, machete. I give my 15-year-old a machete, and he goes out and cuts the grass in the yard. That's oh, what we wow. use to cut our yard with is a machete. So it's not uncommon to see a, even a five- and six-year-old holding a machete that's almost as tall as them swinging it in the yard to cut the grass. Oh, it's crazy. Wow. That was my first thing that I went, oh, you're doing what? And you're handing what to these children? <laughs> <laughs> and then the, the animals that were on the road, um, the dogs and stuff are just bones. I mean, they really are very um, malnutritioned. Horses were tied everywhere by the street. Really? The roads, they're just tied there, hanging out. Do people ride them? They do. Oh, wow. So they use them for transportation? Mm -hmm. But then the rest of the time, they're just feeding them by the road. Um, They just tie them up. Obviously, there's cars, too. There were only a handful of cars when we started. There are many, many more now. Mm -hmm. Um, And we found out that Belizeans, there was no stoplights. We had our first stoplight now in San Ignacio, and um, they didn't know what to do. So they had to keep police officers there. (laughs) Nobody knew what the lights were for. That's so funny. But you know what? When I was in Panama, that the, Panama City at that time, that was 20 years ago. I'm sure it's different now. But in major intersections even in the city, like there was no stopping. Like it, you just yeah. kind of nose out there and try to get past everybody else. Pretty much. Around, we have roundabouts now, and um, those were very interesting for a while. They still are. Oh, wow. Um, um, Shoot, we had trouble figuring out what a roundabout was when that started here. <laughs> so um, mostly there's taxis in Belize. Okay. There's a lot of cars, and they're Toyota Camry. They have a green uh, license plate on them. Mm-hmm. And that shows down, it's a taxi. Yeah, they, they go down the street. They look like they're creeping. They probably have 300,000 miles on them. They have to roll up windows. Mm-hmm. And um, they honk at you if you're on the road. That tells you that, hey, do you want to ride? Oh, wow. Yeah. But for a couple bucks, a couple of bleaching dollars, so a dollar U.S., you can get pretty far. Oh, wow. So, so it's that's good. That's a good way to get around if you need yeah. to. Yeah. So what did you learn how to cook right away? Um, I stuck with things I knew. <laughs> <laughs> Chicken, <laughs> rice. Yeah. I don't mess with the beans because they never come out the way I want them. Oh, yeah. Um, so you haven't changed much. You've no, kind of gotten a routine. Yeah, we've got a routine, yeah. <laughs> Occasionally we get meat, hamburger and stuff, and um, it's a little different. Uh, they are a little more grisly. Mm. Uh, taste is a little different. But now you're, we're just used to all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the refrigerator, the one thing that we didn't know for a little bit was that at night the grocery stores turned off their electricity. That includes the deep freezes. Oh, wow. So we had to really watch the meat and stuff. Mm. And um, when they started getting dairy products in, you had to watch all of that. And then when the canned goods started coming from the U.S., it was things that were outdated. You oh, know? wow. So most of the food in the cans and stuff, you'd look at it and say, oh, it's only a week old, older than the date that it says on it. It's okay. It's <laughs> <laughs> so, as good as it gets. That's, that's it. <laughs> you know? And when we had a bad storm, we had – was going to take a bath and I turned on the water and it's brown block coming out of the faucet Ooh. and we went one time with a week without water or electricity in the house oh wow and so how did you do water like um we went and bu- they have store-bought you can buy purified water so okay. we bought, bought that um it was hot and there's no fan so it's really hot you just stayed outside until very very late at night mm-hmm. um just so you go wait till the house cools down a little bit Hot in Belize can be anywhere from 97 to about 105 oh, wow. in the summertime. So 
I can get plus humidity, on. major, major humidity. Yeah, I'm missing that, and I'm missing my warm weather right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. By the way, right now it's February, and it's like two degrees in Missouri. <laughs> it's 94 in Belize. <laughs> like of all the times that we she got to come back to the states, we decided to have a cold snap <laughs> and snow. <laughs> and the kids, when we moved to our house where we're at now, we didn't have indoor water at either. So okay. we would have rain catch, and then I would get a bucket, and I would bring in the water, and we'd have a five-gallon bucket, and half a bucket was yours to take a shower in, and oh, the wow. other half was the next child's. So you just did like a sponge bath, basically. Pretty much. Yeah. And then we'd go down the river every once in a while and just kind of feel like you're getting in the water. <laughs> oh, so you go to the river and go swimming? Yeah, we do. Do you have a river, like, near your um, house now? It's about 15 minutes away. It's not far. Oh, that's awesome. So, yeah, it is really fun to do you just have to pick your areas because some of them got glass and stuff in the water so we know where to go and where not to go yeah so is there any food that the kids like really like in Belize yeah (laughs) (laughs) Alicia loves rice and beans and stew chicken oh wow So she really really enjoys that I don't make the beans so we got to go out if we want to get the rice and beans and stew chicken Belizean style Um, I learned a little bit more I know that they turn do their rice with um, coconut milk Hmm. Oh, wow, that's interesting. Yeah, it really was. And then they um, they cook it with coconut, then they put the beans in. Um, at, they cook both of them completely separate. And the beans, they add a, a, red, a red sauce to it, and that's where it gets its flavor from. It's oh, very flavorful. Wow. And the stew chicken, I found out how to make stew chicken for the first time when I volunteered um, to serve the volunteers that after the ETA hit our country. Which is the hurricane that came through yeah. recently. So I learned how to do that and how they use a brown um, brown sugar, mm. and they fry the beet, fry the chicken in brown sugar. Oh wow! And like as like a coating? Almost? Yes, really. It's a good coating, and then they bake it in the oven and finish cooking it. So wow. it just puts a little crisp on it, and then they mix that. And I thought oh, it tastes delicious. I'm like, oh, that was simple. Oh, so that's I, awesome! I encourage you to try it out. <laughs> wow, that's, <laughs> that's really a good neat. Recipe. Um, Ezekiel likes hot wings. We found a place that does hot wings now. That's awesome. And um, <laughs> Levi, within the last three years, they started making hamburgers in Belize. Oh, okay. So um, they, we, he likes a hamburger with bacon on it. That's awesome. Um, pork is hard to find and very expensive, so we don't eat a lot of pork. Mm. Um, hamburgers, another fairly, like I said, the main staple in Belize is chicken. Yeah. So you can probably get a chicken about anywhere. Huh? Yeah. When my family first began, we have a family of five. I could make three meals with one chicken. Oh wow! When we first started out. Um, so that's that's some that's some serious stretching there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You can make the last meal is soup, <laughs> but you can make you know burritos, and then you can make. Um, we make barbecue sandwiches with mm-hmm. the next pieces of it. And then the last piece we take, make, and then just cook it all the way down in a soup. And so I get three meals. Now that the kids are teenagers, <laughs> um, that's a whole different story. Right, I, know. <laughs> I get two meals out of it still. I just went through the drive-thru with four of my kids I, mm-hmm. out of the six. And it was kind of insane. <laughs> I was like, whoa, you guys are grown <laughs> yeah that's what we're seeing too so it's a little more stretching the dollar yeah and how do you how does that look so we're we're learning steam cooking chicken um we don't we're on solar we're off grid so oh, okay. all of ours is water catch and we use solar power that's pretty and, cool yeah we use but that was kind of out of necessity right because they you bought some land actually like a jungle you basically yes. bought a jungle <laughs> 
50 acres 50 of jungle, jungle. <laughs> in Belize um, to live on. And then eventually God called you to build the camp there. So it, there was no electricity or water on the property, right? No. Uh, matter of fact, la- year before last in December, we were able to put a well. Um, oh, that's yeah. great. Intergate um, came and paid for half of our well. We had to go 400 feet down. Wow. Um, it was a very expensive well. Oh, wow. And But we now have the capability, because during dry season, we would run out of water. Oh, we I see. had to pay for water to come in from the river for our house. Okay. No matter how far we stretched it. And even now, we take when we you take a shower at our house, you take a shower, you get wet, you turn off the water, you wash, you turn back on the water, you rinse. Oh, wow. Um, so you have we to just take it water. for granted. Yeah, there's... Uh, so even in even when we didn't live where we were at, even in living in the villages and stuff, you kind of had to spare the water because um, you never knew it was going to shut off. Oh, so you had running water in the village when you first moved there. Yes. You rented a little house, is yes. that right? And so the kids had um, a neighborhood, so it wasn't oh. too bad of an adjustment. There were kids in the neighbors. Oh, that's kind of. We neat. had our bikes. Um, it was like living in you know living on normal normal street. Okay. Um, we even had a park where we could go play basketball. Oh, that's awesome. And, um, so it was, it was a good way to transition. And, and they made some friends there? Did they make they some friends? They did make a few friends. Um, it's very hard to make friends in Belize that you're really close to. Um, Belizeans are very family-oriented and very closed off. Um, I found out later that most of the people are that way. You don't get invited into anybody's house. You sit outside on the porch. And it's really hot, too hot to be in the yeah, house anyway. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they just keep everybody outside. So it's not a – I tried to start a Bible study in the neighborhood. It didn't go. I had a couple people show. But um, I found it very difficult. It was um, – for the first year, it was pretty lonely. So they're not, like, necessarily super friendly, even though they're all outside? They are really friendly. And okay. They talk to you on the street. It's oh, just um, It's just different to be – you're not Belizean. Yeah. You don't know their yeah. language. You're, you're never really an insider. I see, yeah. You know? And um, you always look at like you have a lot of money. Oh, even if you don't because you're American? Yeah, because you're American. Oh, I see. So if somebody's begging at a grocery store, um, they'll let Belizeans walk in and they'll, they'll catch you every time. Right, yeah. So, so we had to teach the kids that this is a lifestyle that they've learned over the years. Um, that was an adjustment for them to see people just come up to you and want, want something. Oh, right. And it is okay to say no. Yeah. You know, so. Now, speaking of, like, uh, like the way they see you, because you're white, but you have two children that are from China. So how does that work out? Um, all of your grocery stores are owned by Chinese people. Oh, wow. Which is, Belize actually has a seven languages in the country. Okay. And uh, Mandarin is one of them. Um, Chinese people are looked at as a lower class of people, even though they own all the stores. They're hmm. treated very poorly by the Belizeans. Oh, that's sad. So um, Alicia took flack, uh, my daughter, took some hits right off the bat oh, in wow. Belize. Um, some people called her some names and stuff. Um, the kids did well, well in the neighborhood, though. That's they good. really treated them good. And you have to remember that also my kids have disabilities. So Alicia has only a little arm. So, And she's Chinese. Oh wow! So yeah. she has she has one full arm, one full arm and hand, right? And then half of the other arm, right? And so does Levi. And so um, now we're in a foreign country. They are Chinese. They have a disability. Oh wow! And um, 
you know, and Ezekiel is blonde and the whole girl, all the girls are like, ooh, la, la, la. <laughs> <laughs> so he's, he's got lots of girlfriends. Yeah. <laughs> but um, the other two are being shunned. Uh, even now? Um, we, we're in a, a very secluded area. So you just don't see a lot of people anymore, right. so it's not as big a deal. We see the kids at the camp who are all special needs children, and we see their families. So they're already like us, you know, yeah. they have different things going on in their household. So um, we're very much a part of their lives and looked at and they So don't. that's kind of fascinating because, like, you come to Belize and you, you want to help people, and yet you get there and you're, like, really like an outsider. And then, so, so it's almost like the opposite. Then you have to deal with the rejection in a way while you're still trying to help people. It, it was frustrating the first year because it was like everywhere I turned around, everybody just wanted a handout. They didn't, you know, give me, oh. give me. And it was, I became very frustrated with it. It's like, no, I'm not here to hand you this. And I still get calls or emails saying, hey, I'm, I need a house. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yes, yeah, so do I. Mine's not finished. Right, <laughs> you know? yeah. And, um, so it can be frustrating if you don't know their society that this has just been normal. People would come, people come in all the time as teens, and then they throw their money around and hand out and they give the donations, and that just oh, like teens from the states, yeah, or from Canada. Oh, okay, or, but it gives a mentality. It sets up a mentality. So those of us that stay there all the time are seeing it the same way as the teen. Oh, you're just coming in right. and out. Yeah. So we had to develop a relationship with them, and. Um, that they know of and plus our ministry does give you know so so we have to balance though right well I think you do give things away because like you talked about giving you know the packets to women and then you helped a lot with the the families that were impacted by the hurricane yes but you also like hire people isn't that correct yes and um our donations allow us to hire people you know, we, we hired the guys to do masonry work um, during COVID when the whole country shut down because we have a farm also. We have sheep and chickens that oh, the kids okay. get to see. The, the, the special needs kids yeah. at the camp. And that provides eggs. Eventually, we hope it takes care of our, our, our camp, that it will provide all the food and the camp will provide for itself so that when the kids come, that's not an expense we're putting out. We've already got it. Oh, wow. So um, we butcher our own lambs and um, our own chickens. And so you hire sometimes people to help with that? Um, we actually, no, we hire oh, wow. them to build. Okay. And, and so um, you do all the farming yourselves? We do the farming system ourselves. Do the kids help with that? They have chores, yes. Mm-hmm. What kind? What are their chores? It's so easy. It doesn't seem like it much. Just water the animals, feed the animals, mm-hmm. you know, collect the eggs, make sure everybody's not sick, look at all of them. Um, we will rake the camp. It's a uh, five, the camp is almost five acres. It's a little over five acres, and we left as many trees as possible. So we rake the paths and keep mm-hmm. them kind of clean. So they have to help with that. If they want game time, <laughs> then they gotta do their job. Okay, so I have I have to tell you this story. So you know, I'm one day thinking like just how awful it is that you know I let my kids you know I'm probably letting them play too much video games or they're on media too much. And I thought to myself, I wonder if you know, would be so much better if we were like out in the middle of nowhere, you know, and we just didn't have access to internet and they'd have to go outside and play and all this stuff. And right about that time I had a Skype call with Dana (laughs) and she was showing me around her house and she went into the room where the kids were together and they were all huddled around this little game player in the middle of the jungle because she said like two hours a day they get internet and that's like the only thing they look forward to all day long. (laughs) 
And I was like, okay, if she's having the same problem in the middle of Belize, in the middle of the jungle, in the middle of nowhere, then we're all in this together. <laughs> we, we have a camp with swings and slides and all that, and I still fight with the internet and time on the computer. <laughs> you guys are the only people I know that have a, a park in your own backyard. Right. <laughs> and, yep, you have the same same issues. Oh, wow. So, also, another thing that you, I think, I don't know if this was a tough decision or not, but you decided to homeschool, like, coming out the gate when you guys first went to Belize, right? Right. Um, we did start an, a year in while we were in the States. I started ahead of time so that we could kind of keep the okay. transition going when we got into Belize. Um, books are almost impossible. We have to ship them in. Oh, wow. So, so you can't get them anywhere in Belize. No, you can't get homeschool books in Belize. And um, so we did try the school system one time, but it was so far behind the United States system that it wasn't worth doing. My oldest son was all over. He was bouncing off walls. He wasn't paying attention because it was too easy. Mm. So we did homeschool. Um, my oldest son is autistic. Um, uh, he has Asperger's, so he's on the high scale. Um, but that can be a battle in itself as they get into testosterone. If any of you guys have special needs children with autism, you, you realize how difficult it would be to homeschool. Mm-hmm. Um, the battles are great. And this, let me just say that Dana did homeschool him. You, you've homeschooled him on and off, right? And then he's tried school. He's tried the public school. Yeah, that didn't work. So yeah. he came back home. Um, that gave me a break. Because we were ready to just kill each other, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I needed the break. So even though it was only three months, <laughs> I was so happy for it. <laughs> I've been there. I understand. Yeah. yeah. Um, this year, uh, last year, we had a struggle. Um, autistic kids, as their testosterone and, and all their hormones kick in, um, they can become more violent. And I needed him to do some homework, and he didn't want to. His dad stepped in, and I stepped in, and then um, it, all chaos broke off. And I actually got shoved into a can- an area where I had a mirror and both broke the mirror. Oh, shit. And um, so we all backed off, and we started. I said, you will not be homeschooled this year. So he actually is uh, not homeschooled. He's at a private school for high school, and I have learned that you can do your homework or not do your homework. You pass or you pa- fail. It's not my problem. Mm-hmm. And you kind of have to do that with autistic kids. And you, sometimes you just have to back out and say, you're responsible for your actions. Mm-hmm. And um, so we don't... Well, he's I, also older, right? Well, he'll be 16 this April. Okay. But it getting to the age where yeah. he's going to have to just make some of his own decisions. Right. So 16 years of age, you've already got a whole head full of kid. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he stands, you know, a head taller than me, which doesn't help. You know, he's looking down at me going, you're going to tell me what? Right, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, right. So, um, but this has worked really well for us. Oh, good. How did you find the school? Um, through my church. And uh, there's there was a lady there that told oh, me. Like your local church? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. And uh, my daughter, actually, Alicia, actually goes there, too. Oh, okay. And, just, and they're they're like almost the same age, right? They're only uh, five months apart. Okay. So very much almost the same age. She needed interaction with other people. She's been living with her two brothers in the house up on the hill oh in the gosh. jungle for years. Yeah. <laughs> she needed girl interaction yeah. really badly. <laughs> so this was a great move for her. She's got a girlfriend there, and she's a drawer. She's an incredible drawer. Oh, wow. And um, she's really enjoying her time there. She so how a, far is the school? Do you have to drive? An hour. Oh, wow. Yeah. Do you have to drive an hour both an ways? An hour both ways. Every day? Every day. Oh, wow. And when they... Um, 
weren't going to have it because of COVID. I was in tears. I had my first anxiety attack. I've never had an anxiety attack. Oh, but just wow. the thought of having to go back home with Ezekiel, I just couldn't do it this year. Mm-hmm. And um, I was so happy when she moved into her house. And we've been able. They've been able to go, and it is worth the drive. Oh, so they so they moved it from the school to the house, and that was how they were able to continue to be open. Yes. Uh, and how many kids are at the school? Ten. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's just a high school. Um, wow, that's so neat. I think neat. she's got a couple more. I think they're up to thirteen. I think this. So it's almost in a way, almost like a, it's a homeschool school. high school. They even do a Becca. Oh, they're wow. Same, they're in the same books. They're doing the same program. Um, so if you all don't know what a Becca is, it's a Christian-based uh, homeschool program. Um, it's actually a, a really high-level program. Any kid that goes through a Becca is going to be very well educated. And we found out that they have Quizit online for taking tests for a Becca. So if you homeschool, Quizit.com is free, and mm. they can go in and take their chapter tests for you, and you can really see how they're doing. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, it was, it's a cool... Ezekiel found it because it's a little bit of a cheat because he goes in and takes the test before he takes the test. Yeah. <laughs> well, but for but for a helps. kid that needs extra help, that might actually be. It does help. Good. Yeah. Because they have flashcards in that program, but it's all lined up with a Becca. Oh wow, and that's right. I did neat. not know about that, and um, we're now using it for my youngest. I still homeschool my youngest. And this how is old is Levi? School. He's your youngest. Levi is eleven. But okay. he is actually in seventh grade, and he started pre-algebra this year. So what so, would he normally be in at 11? I'm trying to think. Um, he would be in sixth, sixth grade. Yeah. Yeah, sixth grade. Yeah. But he definitely wouldn't be in algebra. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's extremely smart. Um, in his spelling and stuff, he's in eighth and ninth grade. Oh, wow. Um, so he he does well in homeschooling. He's pretty studious, isn't he? He is. He's got a different personality. Him and his brother are... Our love-hate relationship. <laughs> I'm sure some of you with kids know that expression. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So. So what do the what do your kids think about the camp or? or... Oh, they really love the camp. They've all okay. decided um, when we have overnight camps, they've all figured out their jobs that they're going to do and who's going to teach what, and um, they love to have when the kids come, they're in heaven. You know, they just... Wow, that's really neat. Ezekiel just jumps in and he grabs somebody and he teaches them. Alicia takes the girls over to go feed the sheep. Um, Levi talks with everybody. He's my social bug. He talks to the parents and um, it just is a really good Levi or Ezekiel? Levi. Levi, okay. Ezekiel takes the kids and goes plays. Oh, He does really, really well with them and um, just takes them around the camp and just hangs out with them. Um, so That's really there. awesome. So they really embraced helping um, yeah. the special needs kids that come to the camp. They do, and they can't wait for the camp to be overnight. Oh, and wow. We're excited about it. And hopefully this next year um, we will be actually capable of having an overnight camp. Yeah. So give us a little history on, like, what you've done so far, because you haven't been able to have an overnight camp, right? No, uh, but we've been able to have events. So every three months, once we – made the playground, which was the most important, or most of the playground, um, which is accessible for kids. We have wheelchair swings. We have we have a capable of pulling your wheelchair up on a merry-go-round and spinning. Oh, that's so, so fun. Because that's part of their body, so they shouldn't have to leave what they have access to. You know? They shouldn't have to leave their wheelchair no, to, have fun. to swing or whatever. So we've made it where they don't have to. Mm-hmm. You know, they can just go. So once that side opened up, we started having events about every three months. 
and um, we were bringing in something from the public. We brought in the Raptor Center one time, and they did. Um, they brought in some of the birds. We brought in the crocodiles. So these kids are getting exposed to things that are around the leaves that normally they wouldn't have the exposure to because they stay in their house. Do kids with special needs and beliefs go to school? Some do, 99% don't. You know, there's a very small percentage that the schools are supposed to allow the kids now. Um, So laws are changing so that they can. But the schools aren't made so that they can. You know, they've been made years ago. So they're really, a wheelchair child is not going to be able to access a school. Oh, wow. There's just, they haven't got that way. They're not. If you're in a wheelchair, you can't access the stores, let alone anything else. Everything is very closed and aisles are very short. And so we're, the country's just becoming aware of their um, disability society and the kids. Mm-hmm. Until this time, most of the children have just stayed in the house and stayed mm-hmm. at home. So how, so how, how did you even reach those families to tell them about the camp? It's been difficult. Um, we've, we've got, we have a good relationship at the hospital. So I was able to talk to them that way. Um, The schools that do have some special needs kids, we talked to the school. We got in touch with their special needs education department to get to the school kids. And then it's a matter of um, our employees um, because they live in different villages. Okay. We would let them know. We would talk to the officers. Officers are all over in the villages. Like police officers. Police officers. So we give them our information. Please give it to somebody you know. If I – when you go down the road, you can – run into a police stop, which means you're going to run into two guys with a machine gun hanging off their shoulder, checking right. <laughs> checking your license. Right. <laughs> and those are the people I talk to. Do you know anybody special needs? Do you know the kids? I've got some information. You so you, you would give them like a flyer saying, we're having an event on this day at this time or something like that? Yes. And so you were saying at one point when we talked before, like that you pick people up. How would you know to pick people up? Um, they would contact us. Believe it or not, 90% of Belize has a phone. Okay. All right. They so that's not, not a have, deal. They may not have, uh, they may only have a dirt floor, nothing in their kitchen, but they have a phone. Yeah. Um, so, and honestly, I kind of can't blame them though, because you could do so much with the phone. Oh, yeah. Huh? And I'm surprised that even in the villages, you can get reception. <laughs> wow. I can't get internet on my hill, but I can get reception. <laughs> so, um, they would contact us and say, and then we would meet. Uh, we would just travel down into the villages and pick them up and bring them to the camp and send out the next vehicle. And so yeah, how how would because you don't have a bus? No. Okay. It's, um, we hope someday that um, we'll be able to buy a, a vehicle that like a bus that has the wheelchair accessible for the kids and stuff. Um, it's in our future as soon mm-hmm. as we hope to get it sometime. Mm-hmm. But until then, I have a Suburban that was given to us that has uh, four seats, and we just pile them all in and put the wheelchairs in the back and okay. um, drag them all back out. <laughs> and then you make another trip out and get and more make people? another trip. Oh, wow. And so you just fill up the camp for the day, and yeah. then you do it again at the end of the day. Friday. That's correct. Oh, wow. That's pretty awesome. That's awesome. That's commitment. <laughs> we have set, uh, we try to have set bus stops where the kids will meet us at one meeting point, mm-hmm. and then um, we'll count, we'll count how many is at that stop, and we'll try to make sure that we have enough room. And believe it or not, you can get a lot of people in a suburban. Yeah, yeah. More people than you ever imagined. Wow, <laughs> I'm sure there's like no, a lot, not a lot of there's rules about it either. No rules whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> and I think. Even in our forerunner, I think at one time we had like 
16 people they just kept piling in wow and there's no uh there's not they're not reminds me of space. those pictures you see in asia of like the mattresses like piled up on the back of a motorcycle or yeah. something <laughs> well, we've been our first year i've seen five people on a motorcycle Oh, going down the road in front of us. I said, did you count that number? (laughs) And that's not uncommon. That sounds like a meme. (laughs) It's not a meme there. It's not uncommon. There's really no, until COVID, there was no space. I mean, when you got in line at the grocery store, the person next to you is on top of you. Oh, wow. And so getting everybody in a car is not no big deal. Right, yeah. And, uh, and we, they still drive with, you know, if you've got a truck, you've got a lot of people who can sit in the back of the bed. So, right, yeah, yeah. A so truck would they, probably be awesome there. Yeah, they just pile all in. That's awesome. So yeah. you, But you were saying that the – so some of the kids, would this be their first time or their maybe very few times they'd ever really done anything fun like this, like to go to the camp? Some of them have never been out of their yard. Wow. So the only thing they've known is what they see in front of them. And we had um, about 20 kids that had never been out of their yard house come to the camp wow. for the first time and their eyes are just like big and you could hear giggles and no different noises because some are we had a lot of kids that were um uh didn't didn't talk okay you know, non-verbal mm-hmm. and so we're learning sign language as fast as we can <laughs> <laughs> so we can welcome them to camp mm-hmm. and we know um, some missionaries that's the one thing good about putting fillers out and i'm talking to um, I know a missionary who that's his focus is uh, sign language. Oh, so, oh. So we call in volunteers. Oh, yeah. that's great. We have a lot of volunteers. When we set up an event day, I need volunteers. Mm-hmm. So if we're doing local, we get a hold of local. We have a lot from our church. We have a lot from the community around us. I make sure that somebody can speak Spanish, that we have a sign language person, that um, you know, we have people that are there that can communicate with one another. Yeah. So it is a community camp. We have some churches that will come in and um, they'll do youth day mm-hmm. and they clean up the camp and then we all have hot dogs and stuff for them when they get done. Oh, that's awesome. So uh, we try to make it a very much community um, so that everybody's involved and they need to know to embrace the kids because they haven't been embraced in, in, um, in Belize. So by inviting the community in and they see the kids and realize okay. that these are just kids. Yeah, they do yeah. things a little different than you, but they're right. still just children. Yeah, because I, I'm sure, like just like any of us, even in the states, you know, sometimes it's intimidating when you think someone has a special need because you just don't really know how to relate to them or, or you know, um, act around them. I guess so. So that's helped a lot. Yeah, it's it's helping because the um, to see that their kids they laugh and giggle at the same thing that the other kids laugh and giggle at, mm-hmm. and being able to to just run around with them. I think it's really important, and then their parents are learning that they have value, that they're not seen um, in this, as oh my gosh, you know, stay away from me type attitude. Yeah, that they're being embraced. That's and really being awesome. Loved. And yeah, it's really important. So who knew? Because you didn't know when you went to Belize that you would be doing this camp. No, not but, at all. But here you are with your own family, which is special, has some special needs as well you know, embracing these other families with special needs and, you know, helping them learn how to love and and know that they're accepted and loved. Yeah, so it's an awesome adventure. That's cool. Well, thank you so much for visiting with me today. 
I am absolutely sure that we will get to talk again because um, I'm sure we can go over Skype or whatever we need to. And there's so many other great things that we could talk about. But I just uh, hope you guys enjoyed Dana today. And um, tell us uh, what your website is. Uh, the website is um, campsaconsa.com, but let me spell it for you. Yeah. Seconsa means that's right. That's right. You can do it. That's right. God made you just like you are. That's right. You're loved. So Seconsa awesome. is that. So it's camp, S-E-K-O-N-S-A.com. Yeah, so you can go there to learn more about what they're doing. There's a lot of really great pictures as well. And if you want to donate, then you can donate right from the website. Correct. Okay. So I'm trying to think if there's anything else we can share. You can find me on Facebook, too. Okay. All right. Um, it's Dana and then Caulfield, C-O-F-F-E-L-T. It's my maiden name. And then Emmons, E-M-M-O-N-S. And we have a lot of – I try to post there probably more for anything on the camp than okay. anywhere else. So that's a good place to catch us, find out what we're doing, and um, how you can get involved. All right, that's awesome. So, And I'm sure if you have a question, too, you could probably – she's actually really good about getting back on Messenger or Facebook or any of that. Right. So, right. yeah. <laughs> All right, well, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad you joined me today. If you were encouraged by this episode or you heard something you think a friend would really love, please share it. And if you want to learn more or if you want to talk or converse or join the community – Please visit us at Imagine Mom on Facebook and also on Instagram and the web. Thanks for listening.